Welcome to ePod, a podcast from the UW-Madison's College of Engineering's Interdisciplinary Professional Programs. These podcasts are focused on big ideas in engineering and the people behind them. My name is Justin Kyle Bush, and I will be your host. On today's episode, I talked to Teresa Pelkey, who is the Manufacturing and Project Engineering Director at Kite Hill. Teresa received a bachelor's in chemical engineering and a master's in manufacturing systems engineering from UW-Madison. On this podcast, she discusses her personal and professional development, the challenges of working, studying, and being a parent. She also talks about her experience in the MSc program and gives advice for those who are thinking of continuing their education, whether through a degree or professional development. Teresa, I'm excited to have you with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Let's get started. So tell us a little about yourself and how you got into manufacturing. Uh, yeah, so I, um, in high school, actually, I was, uh, I was in chemistry class and our teacher had brought in an alumni student that, who was an engineer. She came to talk about what engineering was. And I, uh, I, it, anyways, we, we did this little exercise where we like solve problems in teams and groups. And I loved it. And she said, this is what engineers do. They solve the world's problems and they solve them in teams. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> like, that sounds easy. And so I really liked chemistry and I really liked math at the time. And I did not want to be a teacher as much as I respect uh, teachers. Uh, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. So I said, okay, I want to be a chemical engineer. And I knew nothing more than that besides I liked math and science. And so I went into engineering and, you know, I went to UW-Madison for my undergrad and uh, they do a really great job of, you know, promoting, doing co-ops and interns and the career fair and just, you know, getting experience in what you're doing before you actually go to work. And so I, you know, like a good student, I listened to my, you know, they and my advisors that I went to the career fair and you know, put my resume out there and um, I got it, you know, a job offer with a food manufacturing company, large food manufacturing company. And um, I took that job and it was, it was amazing. Um, I, in that experience, I got to work, you know, the packaging line and tanks and I got to, and I just fell in love with watching stuff, how it was made. I mean, I literally, I remember I was so fascinated with a box paper. Like the way that the roller like flipped the tape and the boxes and folded and a case erector and how every little intricate part with photo eyes and sensors, you know, worked to then have a finished product. And then, you know, palletizing machine after and a stretch wrapper. And I was hooked at that moment. I was like, I loved it. I would stare at the machines and just watch every little thing. And then when there was a failure, like figuring it out and, um, and uh, I got to install a tank while I was on that project. And it was such a great experience. And then what really uh, stuck home with me is, you know, and I worked in, in places where I had been a team lead or things like that. And I got to oversee or supervise teams, uh, you know, in those roles that I did. And uh, it was amazing to the camaraderie to be on a team, 
to stick through, you know, the ups and downs of manufacturing when something fails and uh, when something, when you're trying to accomplish a goal and, you know, you make some new production improvement or something, some, some change that makes your operator, your team member, their life better. And they're just so thankful. Um, and, you know, they just, you know, a lot of the teams that, you know, they're just working hard to bring money home to their families, you know, so to be a part of that, I just like, I fell in love. And so I knew I wanted to stay in manufacturing. I was like, well, that's great. Cause some people, you know, it's okay if you do an internship and uh, you don't like it. You know, I, I knew some of my friends that were like, I do not like engineering. Like this does not work for me. And I guess I got lucky, you know, in the sense that I, I really enjoyed uh, manufacturing and, you know, when you do engineering, you can go into so many different spaces. And so I just, I was, I ended up specializing in food manufacturing, which always made me feel good because some other industries can be a little dangerous. And uh, I was like, I don't want to die every day when I go to work. Now, mind you, I could die in my work environment too. There are some dangerous things, you know, it's like we have, you know, equipment that can kill you and things like that too. But, um, you know, we don't make as much money in food manufacturing because it's uh, low <laughs> margins, but it's rather than a tech world or something like that. But uh, at least everybody needs to eat, you know, so it, no matter what, it feels a little stable in that sense. So I've just, um, you know, kind of gravitated that way and st- um, stuck in the food world. It, um, I love how uh, we nourish the world, you know, with food and also you know, how important it is to be employees are safe and the food is safe um, and everything that comes with that. So that's what has kept me, got me into manufacturing and then kept me into manufacturing all these years. Not to go off topic, but I know we were talking about food. So what is your favorite food? Oh, geez. Um, I don't even know if I have a favorite food. Um you know, over the year, I have a favorite, I have favorite foods. They're not very good for me. So I don't get to eat them at often, but I think I, I really love, um, this is, this is really funny. This is a little bit like into my world. Um, favorite fruit is probably pineapple. Um, favorite food. I always have to say yes to is creme brulee. If it's on the menu, I have to have it. And I always have to say yes to a dish that has capers. I really like capers and interesting fact about myself. I, I like food, but like my go-to thing is good and plenties. Like everyone dislikes good and plenties. Anytime I go to a store, I will push like 25 boxes into my cart. I love good and plenties. So <laughs> that would be my background is working manufacturing and good and plenty. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. you get you have the one the things that stick with you that you always are, you know, especially if you know how they are made, it makes it even better. <laughs> it's great to hear how you got started in manufacturing. So your career is pretty impressive. What helped you succeed when you moved from a large multinational to a, currently a startup? Yeah, um, you know, when I worked at the big company, uh, it was, you know, it's a great experience. Uh, Big companies have lots of money. They can give you experience in all sorts of things. Um, And uh, I learned a lot, a lot about process and a lot about uh, analyses and uh, risk analysis and structure and um, which is great. 
it, you really do need some of that, you know, in your background. And, but I really, um, you know, I wanted to make a difference quicker. Um, you know, big companies take a little while to make things happen and you have ideas and you have a corporate structure and lots of, you know, lots of decisions and approval processes and things like that. And I just, you know, I wanted to have a say at, like quickly, you know, at the local level. And so um, I got this opportunity to work at my current, um, you know, my current company. And I, you know, my current company, Kite Hill, and I, uh, it was a startup and I had never worked in a startup. My sister had actually worked in startups before uh, in, she's in um, like, genetics and microbiology and she had worked in a bunch of startups out in uh, the san francisco bay area and you know i did the pros and cons you make a lot less money i'll tell you that much right like so you have to take and um and you have to you uh you work a lot of hours i would say in the sense that um there's a passion behind what you're doing because there's not a lot of you on those teams. And so, you know, everybody has to step up and do a lot of things they're not used to doing um, on the startup. And, uh, but there's, there's, you know, this whole energy in the space uh, that really helps you like, you know, go through the ups and downs of startups. So when I moved from the big company to my small company, I, um, I remember my boss at the time, things move so quickly, so fast. Changes mm -hmm. happen. They innovate so fast. New products are launching like very fast. I remember we had uh, gone to a, you know, a customer and said, we're going to make this product. And we came with like four different, you know, I think it was like, I don't know, six different flavors of this, this product we wanted to do. And they, they said, we want it. We love it. But stores, you know, have resets every a certain amount of time frame so they only reset their shelves every certain amount you know a certain time and so you need to either be ready to launch on their store reset or you miss that whole round and so you know we go into these buyer meetings and they taste your product and they say yes okay we're ready and then you have to be ready to go with that product and um and my boss comes back and he's like they're taking it they want all of it but we have to install it in the next three months and it has to be running and installed in three months and i was like what I had never done a project that fast. I mean, everything at my previous company had been, you know, could take year to do a project or more, you know, where you work through every design, you know, multiple iterations, every risk analysis, talk to every safety, you know, safety manager, quality manager, every review, maintenance, reliability, all that stuff. And I had to really get comfortable with um, not perfect, right? Like my manager kept telling me, you're too corporate. You're too corporate. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like this, I'm just trying to make sure we don't, you know, this is perfect. And he's like, you can't be perfect. Your yeah. inaction is too slow. Like inaction is worse than just putting something out there. And, and by the time you get it perfect, we're going to already change it. Like yeah. it's going to be a new process, a new, and, and, uh, you know, at my time so far, I've been there five years, we started with for example, 400 cases a day. And wow. we are now doing, of our products, right? We make uh, cheese products. And now we're doing 6,200 cases a day. And that's only in five years time, Jeez. that growth. Yeah. Of just and cheese products? 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and um, and we we had and there's a lot of things you know you have to be comfortable with in a start. You have to be okay with your stuff that you worked on getting tore out. Like the yeah. next, you know, like I spent an entire summer, um, you know, launching a new product line, and then six months later they tore it all out because it wasn't successful. It wasn't working. But one of our things that we pride ourselves on as a startup is to be first to the market because those big companies, they're going to come with all their money and come with all their, you know, all their stuff later. And they're going to make something similar to what you're making. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to get your your tried and true customers at the beginning right away. And hopefully they stay with you. And then as you grow, you can like bring your price point down. Um, But, you know, we had to, I had to be okay with, um, yeah, just moving forward with something, even though it wasn't perfect, you know, like mm-hmm. using Excel instead of these big systems and these big software programs. And, and, and one of the things you also have to do at a startup is, um, you know, I collaborated a lot. So I would use everybody else's ideas. You know, everybody's new at a startup. Yep. So, right. So even though you have, 20 years experience that product you're making that company is new and so don't they make you in startups work very independent at the same time too where you sometimes are working on a project by yourself not always knowing everything and you're bringing other people in correct me if i'm wrong that's my interpretation oh yeah i mean because there's not enough of you right so you don't have a you don't have a safety well it depends on who you are but you let's say you you know, don't have this one particular thing you used at a big company um, could be some analysis that you could quickly get a report out, but maybe you don't even have any of those systems. So you have to then devise something, a form or a process to just start to collect the data you need to be able to do what you want to do. Or um, if you need, uh, you need to do something, you're the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, so because there's not a lot of you on the team, right? There's not this big company with like all these like layers. So, you know, if it's something you're passionate about or something that you, you really have to prioritize the things you work on and the, the passion you have, and you just take little bites. You know, I have everybody that joins our company, it's an overwhelm of things to mm-hmm. fix, right? Because they come from a big company that has all the processes in place. But what's really cool about um, the mentality you have is that you want, you have to want to, improve make change mm-hmm. and that comes in a startup it's just because that's innately what we're out to do is like to be a disruptor in the market or to create something new that no one's ever made and yeah. so those are the types of people you want to hire the people that are not okay with the status quo that's um, also something you had to focus on is like our hiring and really mm-hmm. like fine-tuning the type of people you bring into your organization need to be wanting to like um, itching to like change status quo Um, and not everybody fits in that space and you have to be okay to say goodbye to people too Um, Mm -hmm. like people come and go in startups like a lot right because as you grow in your different levels of the organization you need different skill sets and um, it's okay if some people get in come in and some people leave and then they leave they, they put their mark on the place and you take, mm-hmm. you know, you take their best practices and keep moving forward. So I think it's just being adaptable and nimble and um, and really collaborating with the team. And, and, and really the biggest thing that um, has helped us, me, succeed is knowing how valuable people are. Because um, you really, 
you really have to you um, rely on people and uh, you got to create really good teamwork because mm-hmm. uh, you're fighting through a lot of like failures in, in, in yeah. your space, right? There's like the ups and downs and the failures and things that go well and the upsets and, and you need to mm-hmm. have your team there to go through that with you. So talking about you moving from a large multinational company to a startup, how would you describe and talk about your personal and professional development? Yeah, I think I've always um, tried to stay relevant over the years of my career. Uh, You know, I had some great, I would say mentors are important. Uh, finding mm-hmm. mentors and it sort of naturally happens it's not like you can just go up to some do somebody and say can you be my mentor you know it, it, maybe you can I mean if it's a it's a good a good colleague but sometimes they just naturally happen and you don't realize they're happening but there's somebody that's been important in your career or a coworker that you always you know bounce ideas off of and they end up being your mentor and um staying in touch with them you know is super important because you talk through things and you get networks right so say hey I need some help with this one thing do you can you tell me somebody in industry that's good for this or a place where I can look for this kind of information mm-hmm. um so that's one thing I do is like really stay in touch with mentors um I also you know I, I've continued education um and so I've mm-hmm. done some you know I've done some personal development in um you know an organization called Landmark Worldwide I've also spent a lot of uh, time with an organization called Project Management Institute and mm-hmm. I guess in both of those spaces, it's just, it's conversations and with other professionals that are out to do more for themselves, right? So they're out to, and when you when you surround yourself with people that are also always trying to like grow in some way, it helps you continue to grow rather than, you know, sit and I guess, scroll through our phones or whatever, like in the evenings, you know, I feel, um, which we do, right? Like it's great to, you know, relax in some ways, but um, I think it's been important for me to, to, to feel relevant, you know, to keep my mind active um, has really been important for me. And, you know, I've also, um, I try to be healthy. It's not always, we always don't, aren't the greatest at it, but, you know, exercising and you know, doing what we need to do spiritually, exploring and things like that are, um, you know, important for me. And then I also volunteer. I think that that's, uh, as an engineer, uh, we have one side of our brain that does a lot. And I try <laughs> to keep an artistic side of my brain. So I play, I play an instrument. Um, I play French horn and I play in community bands and orchestras uh, as a volunteer, as we you know, give back to the community free music. And so um, that helps me keep my artistic side of my brain going so that it's not always just one side. So I feel like that helps me take on the world of work sometimes uh, is to have that other release of something. I know some people, you know, hike or get into nature and and do different things like that. I mean, it sounds so like everybody says, this is what you need to do. But when you actually buckle down and do it, it can make such a huge difference, you know, to, to, to focus on some of that, that other side of your, your mental health, I guess. Well, I will share, I don't play an instrument, but I feel like if I wanted to play an instrument, I would want to be the drums. So like, even when I go to 
like I watch college bands, like watching the people that play the drums. I feel like that would be the best thing. Like they just seem to get in so into it, but not to like go on your little horn thing. But I always feel like people try to pick a French horn or just a horn in general. And I, from what I've heard, they're not the easiest to play. So I don't know why people always go want to, oh, I'm going to pick that. I would pick the drums, but it's probably not easy yeah you know it's kind of funny I ended up with French horn actually in happenstance um I played you know I've played all my life since I was in fourth grade so um I I got it because all the other instruments I I didn't have a lot of money growing up we didn't mm -hmm. have money and so we could yeah. every kid that had money they bought the instrument they wanted and that's the one yeah. they got and so then um we actually could rent a French horn from my school for $25 a month and so that's how I ended up on French horn not in any other reason um and you know I you know I fell in love with it at, you know over the years but you know drums we have drums in my house so I have lots of musical instruments at our house that we always so we have um all sorts of drums we got a keyboard we got a xylophone you know and you can buy this stuff on you know Facebook marketplace or on Craigslist or whatever you use to purchase like you know after aftermarket stuff you can buy this stuff for like 20 bucks and have some fun in your house to like let off some steam we play we just have fun every night you know when we're I'm cooking dinner you know my husband plays and stuff so you know with our son and so you should get a little drum to have in the house that's what I should I should get drums I mean I always play my little violin because I want people to feel sorry for me um so you just <laughs> So you decided to go for a master's here at UW-Madison. What challenges did you have working and studying like that you can share with our listeners? Like what were your challenges and what can you help people who may be dealing with the same things? Oh, geez. Yeah, I, um, I did have ups and downs throughout the program. I think um in the sense of like did I get it right did I get it perfect was I that stellar student that I had this vision that I was going to be like not always you know I'll be honest and it's okay because you know uh I think that you work into your schedule what works for you and um one of the things I found that was really important was up front having the support of your company is super important. So I think I did that, the, the intro, the intro to the program, UW Madison um, does a great job with uh, getting you prepared to be an online student. There's like this pre-class that you take. Oslo, and, yeah, the online yeah, student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And learning. I was yep, like, yep, yep. oh my God, thank God I took that because yep. I would have never done the things that I did without taking that class because it tells you all the things you should do to prep to be a student yeah. and, and to be a good student as an online student. So, or to even just take on going back to school um, when you're working full time. And so, you know, I, I talked with my manager and I got full buy-in. Now we're a startup, so they didn't pay for my degree. <laughs> that's for sure. But, you know, <laughs> they said that they supported it. And that's important because you do need to, um, what's so great about the program is that you actually do uh, you use your own work data in a lot of the classes, or you apply what you're learning to, to work, or your assignment is go do this at work and come back and like write a paper or something, right? So um, you have to have support. You can't fake it, you know? And then what I was on a different time zone, right? I was in California. And so at the time when I started, so 
some of my classes were while I was still at work. So I had to feel okay with taking the time away from work. And um, so, you know, leaving work to go to a class and, and feeling confident about doing that or feeling confident about interviewing a coworker about something related, that's all important. So your, your company support is very important. Um, and then also, uh, you know, your support of your family is really important. Uh, so you, before you apply, you want to have the conversation with your significant other, your partner, your family, um, because there were holidays that I was doing homework, right? Like up until, you know, I would come home, I'd fly home to be with my family and I would be writing a paper that was due right before Thanksgiving dinner. Or, you know, I was, you know, quick knocking out something that needed to be done or doing some programming thing or something, right? That I was like trying to get done before. And so, you know, and my family knew, and like they knew this is like, okay, this is what I'm, I'm committed to. And my husband, I, uh, I spent a lot of weekends. So I was a marathoner weekender, uh, to be honest. And that's what worked for me because I, my brain was just fried at the end of a workday. And I knew that I couldn't do work in the evenings. I, cause I would work so hard, you know, I would work so hard at work and I just, I couldn't get you know, I, I'd fall asleep or something while reading. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't do a lot of homework in the, during the week. And I would spend most of Saturdays and Sundays and my husband would have to take care of our son during that time. And so it, it, he knew that this is what we were committed to as a, a couple. Um, mm -hmm. It was important. And so like having that conversation up front. Um, so if I, you know, if I apply and I get accepted, are, you know, can you support me during that? That was something I'm really glad that I did as, you know, as I prepped for this. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would say other challenges I had were um, being a startup. We didn't have the data. I didn't get mm -hmm. to always apply the things I wanted to at work. And it doesn't mean um, it was bad. I, I learned a lot. I can still apply them. But, you know, we ended up using a lot of other students' data, um, ones that had easy to pull software systems that we, we could pull um, because as a startup, we didn't have, let's say I wanted to track downtime on something. Yeah. I would need to go and create a form and then go collect the data. And then, you know, versus somebody else has like, you know, 15 years of that data in their system or something already because they had uh, more robust. So a lot of times we ended up as we did group projects, we used other students projects. So, you know, that made me feel a little sad sometimes, but mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I still have that with me now that I can like take that forward into my organization. And um, another thing that would, is important is to have a laptop, I would say, or something, because um, I actually traveled with it and I had a, you know, my husband would drive when we'd go to like family, family outings or things like that. And I would uh, like into my little world, um, I would be doing homework <laughs> in the car as we were driving, typing or something with mobile hotspot. <laughs> and so, you know, that was how I would get it done as we were doing family activities or stuff, mm -hmm. something like that. You know, I'd be able to take my laptop with me to quick get it done or, and then at work, I, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of conference rooms or things like that. And we were in an open mm -hmm. office setting. And so I sometimes would take my classes out in my car in the parking lot mm -hmm. um, on my laptop. And so uh, those are some things that I adapted to, to be able to mm -hmm. make it all work, I guess, with life 
in general. <laughs> wow. So I can't believe that you worked, studied, had a small child, and you're back in Wisconsin, but you moved from California, so moved across the country. How did you find time to do it all? And what tools did you use to prioritize? I know that you kind of talked about it, but if you wanted to expand a little bit more, it's totally yeah, up to you, sure. free range. Yeah, I think, well, some of the things I had to do was block my calendar at work. Mm -hmm. um, so I had classes, sometimes lectures. The cool thing about the program is they actually have real lectures, like in person. It's not just all recordings. I mean, you can watch the recording if you want, like if you miss it. Um, but if you want to interact and ask questions and be part of an actual class, they're all like that. And I think other programs in the world, like country, aren't like that necessarily. And so, um, but my classes were sometimes during my work because of the different time zones. And so I definitely had to block my calendar at work. I also, um, I did limit some of my extracurriculars during that time. I think I just, it was important for me to say like, this is what I'm focused on at this time. You know, like I, so I did take a break from playing my instrument in the big groups and I did take a break from some of my other volunteer activities or whatever, um, because I said, okay, this is my focus now at this time, because you just, you know, we don't have enough for our own mental health to be doing so much stuff like go, go, go. And then, um, you know, I also, one of the things that was cool is I communicated, I stayed in communication with my advisor during, um, well, during life changes. I know that some of our mm -hmm. students um, had, like my co-students, co my peers, they had, you know, mm -hmm. significant life changes, you know, like new jobs, moving across the country. And um, maybe we don't talk about that stuff in our lives as often as we should. And, you know, even with our managers, right? Tell them what's going on. And, you know, you can mm -hmm. adjust your workload or do different things. And so when I, when I was pregnant, um, you know, I actually told Susan before I accepted the program that I wanted to have a baby. And I was like, I don't think I could do this. Like, how am I supposed to have a baby at the same time as getting my grad, you know, my master's degree. And she's like, you yeah. can do it. And um, I think she had probably I think multiple children when she was getting her master's yeah. or something she she mentioned to me so she I was like okay I can do it and um so when it actually finally you know happened um you know we worked together to create the program and rearrange like which classes I took when mm -hmm. I took them that made sense so some classes do have a little bit more of a workload you know and some require more student meetings like you know you have mm -hmm. a group and you're meeting like you have the lectures and then you also have to meet with your group multiple times mm -hmm. a week and then other classes are a little bit less intensive and so you know we worked to create the program that worked for me so when I was pregnant when I was on maternity leave and things like that so what would work well based on workload and so I think it's important to have those just to be open and have those conversations about as well as when things were happening in our my life you, know, you can have a conversation with your professor like if, if something's, something happened this week, like the cool thing about this program is that we all are working full-time jobs and things happen. Like the work has some crazy, you know, your work has some crazy thing that happens and you need to work, mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of extra hours. And, um, you know, professors were so understanding if you just be in communication rather than say, mm -hmm. well, I'm just going to fail this week. 
you know, or something like that, like some of them would grant extensions and things like that if you had a conversation about what was going on in your life. So I think that's also one of the things I would recommend to anybody doing something like this um, to, is mm-hmm. to be in communication about what's going on in your life. Yeah. Well, you kind of shared a little bit about this, but if you want to expand even more, what did you like best about UW-Madison's manufacturing systems experience? So I know you talked a little bit about like the work-life balance, but was there anything that you could have used from the program into your career or what helped you advance more in your career? Yeah, I think... um... Uh, I was just blown away by how fun it was to learn relevant, current industry stuff. You know, I, I had been working for, you know, a lot of years. And so you, you just get into the grind and I don't know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you, um, your brain is, I don't know, you just wonder what's out there. And so for me, being exposed to a lot of other students that were cut, doing cutting edge things and, and, you know, we were dealing with the pandemic at the time and like, how are they handling the pandemic? You know, we talk about that in class, you know, that would be one of our discussion topics would be how, how are you dealing with the pandemic and um, as an, or how is supply chain affected, you know, your industry or, you know, things like that. And um, that's so great because I could bring that back and have conversations with my manager about, you know, we should do something like this or we should, you know, things like that. And, um, or it would have me explore other technology solutions and like reach out to different companies based on what I was learning from other students in the class. So like, for me, that was awesome. Um, you know, just being able to apply like current technology to my work, uh, was, was really valuable. And um, I think that the professors and, um, you know, teachers or guest teachers in the programs are Mm -hmm. so passionate. Now, I don't know Mm -hmm. if because I'm at a different age or what, maybe, maybe the teachers were always passionate in our undergrad program. I'm not sure. And I wasn't paying attention, (laughs) but I think, um, you know, there's like a little bit of a sense of a a peer type environment. Um, Mm -hmm. Like our professors were learning from us because we're in industry and then we were learning from the other students. So it's this this fun collaborative environment. And then there was so much passion from the professors on like, how can we keep (laughs) being relevant or how can we Mm -hmm. use the experience from the the students to incorporate into our classrooms? And, you know, there was always, surveys and the, t- the professors would take what they the feedback they were getting and like incorporate it into the next half of the, the semester and so it felt like you were really de- designing your experience mm-hmm. as um you know because they would take the, you know and they were so passionate it's like you, it's hard not to get passionate about the topic when the teachers are so passionate you know it's mm-hmm. like that made it just go by really you know really fast and uh, made you love he- learning about that new technology because they were so interested in what they were you know teaching so to me that was a really great thing that UW Madison has to offer and I, I didn't take a program anywhere else so I don't know what other experiences mm-hmm. might be but like I was really impressed with that you know that dialogue and that interaction that we got to have with the professors and the students 
I mean, it shows being a double badger, someone who got their undergrad at UW-Madison and then came back for their, um, for their master's. So it seems like they're doing something right for you to be a double badger and do undergrad and grad. Um, so for individuals thinking about advancing their knowledge, whether in a degree or professional development courses, what advice can you give them? Yeah, you know, getting my degree pushed me to new levels professionally much quicker, I think, than I would have got there naturally. Now, you can always get there naturally as you have, you know, your bosses and you work through your development. But, you know, the way that we had to present our our assignment and the way that we had to, like, gather information and data and just, um, it refined me in ways that I was surprised by. Uh, I didn't realize, and I was naturally incorporate, incorporating them into how I presented information to the leadership team at my company or things like that. So things I had gotten from the classes, I started to do, you know, like, how do I, how do I write a preface or how do I do my presentation so that it's, you know, in a format that is, we did a lot, you know, you do a lot of presentations in, in, in our classes <laughs> and, and to report your results or your data or your, you know, things like that. And so I, um, I started doing that stuff, you know, at work and I had people in my work coming up to me and, and saying they noticed a difference mm -hmm. and so much. So, you know, multiple occasions, my CEO would message me after something and say how much he had seen my development, you know, mm -hmm. improving and changing. Um, so I, I don't know. It was like it, it like it was like a sneak attack thing that was happening, like in the background. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it was happening, but um, that that uh, that development is something that I I maybe would have not got to naturally. You know, it was like mm -hmm. it was expected from the teachers for you to do well in that mm -hmm. space, and it was like you know what they expected on how we turned papers in or turned um, you know turned assignments in, and so that refinement and that, um, yeah, it just, it, it transferred to my work and it, mm -hmm. you know, it was something that people noticed. And so getting my master's degree and then some of my other, you know, sort of certifications along the way, uh, like I had said earlier, it made me feel relevant and keep my knowledge up, but, you know, it really gives me the confidence to ask for what I know I deserve. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I asked to move across the country and keep my current, you know, stay at my current company. They had never done that type of thing. You know, who would have thought that I could be an engineer in a facility that does installations of equipment and well, some big companies can do that, I guess. But I never thought our company <laughs> didn't think we could do that. Right. And so I had to ask to do that. And I felt confident that like I am worth it. I'm worth yep. it for them to, to retain me because I have mm -hmm. these skill sets that I've gained, you know, in these programs. And, and then after I got my degree, um, shortly after I actually asked them to create a director role for me and yep. they did. And I think that, um, you know, ha having the skill set that you get in, um, these programs and, and, and continuing your education, just really gives you the confidence to say like, I am worth it and I deserve this. I deserve this promotion. I deserve this new mm -hmm. title. I deserve this new wage. I deserve for you to respect me in these meetings 
or I deserve to be at the table in these meetings, however it comes up for yep. you at work, like it, it can come out of doing these programs and that confidence. And some people have confidence, but, um, and I, I would say I'm a confident person, but there's like a background comfort that comes that's not like you can outwardly be confident but like like a peace inside of that confidence I felt like came out of doing this Mm -hmm. program I feel like the confidence and then sometimes always having the knowledge to back it up because you can just be confident and just like talk about things but like if you don't have the knowledge or like I don't say smarts, but really, I guess I would say knowledge, just because like you can back it up, like everything you have your undergrad, you have your master's, all of this, like you deserve what you deserve. Like everyone deserves more. You should be able to come to the table and ask or be sitting at the table. I don't think sometimes we have enough people at the table that should be at the table with different skill sets, background, diverse individuals, like that's who should be at the table not the same people and it's interesting for you to say that and then to hear that because it makes me think like always asking for more because I know that some people don't always ask for more or are afraid to and for you to have the confidence to ask for more is just it speaks a lot about you and everything that you've learned and your professional development of what we're giving our students to to go out there and not be afraid to ask for what they deserve. So. Absolutely. I, I yeah. couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's so important for all the voices and diverse perspectives mm-hmm. to be um, out there, you know, in mm-hmm. their companies making the difference that they, you know, that they can make. And um, a lot of people are lost in the mix. And so I think that I even saw in all of my peers, I saw that confidence come forward in them mm-hmm. as the as the semesters went on and and I got to see the different things that were happening and different different people get different jobs and things like that I think it definitely came comes mm-hmm. out of the program for sure well it's it was really great to talk to you and I learned a lot about you that I didn't already know and I'm sure all of our guests listening are learning a lot about you um, is there anything else you would like to tell our guests listening and people who possibly can read it also, when we put it up for the version for people that can read it also. Yeah, I think um, I would. I, you know, I would love to just say a little, I'm a little bit biased, I guess, because I have my degree, my undergrad at UW-Madison. But, you know, there's something really awesome about degrees from Madison. Um, mm-hmm. I am so proud to have a degree from Madison because I just feel so prepared. You know, when I went out into, as an undergrad out into the world, the world, uh, when I went out to go work, I guess, <laughs> um, and I, I just, you know, I hit the ground running, you know, I felt so prepared and ready to go. And um, I have always been confident in saying, like, I got my degree from Madison. And so when I saw the program come through in, as an alumni student into my email um, about a master's degree, I, you know, I, at Madison, I, I was like, okay, sure. And it did not disappoint the same way. Mm-hmm. This online program, um, I, so, so, I see, I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity to be a part of the program because 
again, I just felt like they just do such a great job of making sure that what you're learning and what you're doing, it can actually be taken out into the world, you know, that you are going to be able to be successful, do make a difference at your company and do the things you need to do. It's like every class, it was all about that, you know? And so, you know, the, and then the caliber of students that are, that you're with is really top notch. I mean, the conversations are, the people are, very smart, you know, in the programs. And so they, they push you and they challenge you and you have debates with your students, your, your co-students, your, your peers, right? And these different, mm-hmm. and nobody, and there's um, like a collaboration that happens in the program. And, you know, I don't know if that's just, it, it always felt like that as an undergrad and it felt again like that. And I don't know, you know, kudos to the admissions group that's doing what they do because there is something there to be said about like healthy debate that you get mm-hmm. in the program. And I think that Madison gives that. And so I was just, you know, super happy with my experience as in this program. And I couldn't recommend it more to anybody that is thinking about doing it. Um, they do such a great job with the platform, the lectures, you know, the, mm-hmm. the learning setup and accessibility and, you know, recordings and, and just everything that exists inside of the, the the online program and the way that it's designed, I was very impressed with. And I felt like I was doing, it, it wasn't an online program, right? Like I felt like it was just like I was on campus, even though it was mm-hmm. all online. And so to be able to get that experience, even though I was in California when I first started, or you live in a small town somewhere and you can't drive mm-hmm. to Madison, or something like that is super great. And um, just for anybody that does it, three years goes by really fast. You know, you <laughs> think like, I don't think I could do this or I'm, I'm working too much or, you know, I, got, I don't have time for this or whatever. You know, you'll be so happy and proud that you invested and did that um, for your time. And it goes by real fast and before you know it, it's done. And you have that degree and um, then you move on to the next bigger and better thing, so. Yeah. Well, perfect. Thanks. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. I hope you'll come back and do another one in the future. Thank you so much, Justin. This was, it was super fun and uh, it was great to talk about my experience and, um, you know, thank you for having the opportunity to be part of this. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to ePod. For more episodes, visit interpro.wis.edu slash podcast. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share 